Welcome to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. I'm your host, Bree Brown, a business mindset coach, entrepreneur, and a top competitor in a male-dominated industry. I'm a native Texan, the youngest of all brothers, and a lettuce-hating, wine-loving, curses-like-a-sailor recovering perfectionist. I've spent over a decade building my commission-based career, and my life's purpose is helping other women achieve the same multi-six-figure success I achieved before I was 25. I have a passion for helping women with mindset, money, and manifestation skills to help every young woman realize her full potential. If you're looking for vulnerable conversations, professional development, inspiration, or even a kick in the ass to get you motivated, you have come to the right place. Thanks for checking out the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Now let's jump right in to today's topic. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Modern Manifestation Podcast. Before jumping into today's interview, just a couple of quick announcements. The first one being, as a reminder, I will be moving the show to a bi-weekly schedule. So I will be producing episodes every other Monday instead of every Monday. And my hope as a result of doing this is to bring you more and better content and that we'll be able to connect a little bit more meaningfully as I work to create things for you guys that is based on the feedback I've been given. And to that end, I wanted to kick off today just reading a quick, and I'm not even going to read it verbatim, but I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Lauren R. I won't give your full name and so that there's some anonymity there. So Lauren reached out a few weeks ago after listening to, I think it was episode number five, which is three areas you need to declutter to manifest more money. And She was feeling really inspired about that. She went ahead and bought some shelving units that she'd had her eye on for a while. They were discounted all of the sudden. And then she goes around to manifest a laptop for herself. And she just reached out to me to say thank you and how much she's been enjoying the podcast. So I wanted to come on here and say thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for your feedback. It means a lot to me. And thank you for tuning in. And I hope you continue to get some benefit from this show. So in today's episode, in this interview, I do have a bit of a surprise. I am bringing on my first male guest onto this show. Today, I am talking with John Zeev, and we talk about dealing with emotional trauma, finding ways to heal, gender identities. I mean, there are so many things that we talk about in this podcast that I can't wait for you to tune in. And if this conversation resonates with you today, I will make sure that I link all of John's information in the show notes. That way, if you want to get directly in contact with him, you have everything you need to do so. John is a coach who works with clients that don't give themselves permission to do what they want because they prioritize helping others first. I know that so, so many of us can relate to this. So let's jump in. Hello, John. How are you? Good. How are you, Bree? Wonderful, and so excited to have you as the first male guest on my show. Wow, what an honor. Thank you. Of course. Please take a moment, use this opportunity to tell listeners a little bit about yourself, your inspiration, and what it is that you do. Okay, that's a lot. So (laughs) what I do, I'm a coach. Um, I brand myself as an executive coach. Um, Primarily, it's entrepreneurs. 
and they have a specific set of challenges. I, prior to being a coach, I've been a coach for about six and a half years. Prior to that, I was in the corporate world for 34 years, primarily in sales management. I had a few stints in marketing and customer service, but that was kind of my career before I became a coach. And why I became a coach, I was exhibiting a lot of signs of really being burned out. And I felt like I wasn't being properly utilized in the corporate world. And I started to get frustrated. And I was of the age at the time, I was about 56. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to do an early retirement thing and try to follow my passions. So that's kind of what my last six plus years have given. Love that. Thank you. A lot of my listeners are entrepreneurs or women who are interested in advancing their careers. And when they experience burnout, we often wonder if this stems from not honoring something within ourselves or if it's from the external work environment. So to that end, can you talk about your signs of burnout and what your aha moment was that it was an alignment issue and not an external environment issue? Yeah, I can really speak. I can speak a lot to this. Um, for me, burnout is defined as you just know you can't keep doing what you're doing. You just know it, right? Your whole body tells you you can't keep doing what you're doing. Something is wrong. So that's what happened to me. And I remember I made some comments to people. I just can't keep doing this. I, I don't know what to do, but I, I know I don't want to do this. And I think that's that's a red flag that I didn't know what to do. So that's a symptom of why we get burned out. This is my own personal theory. So I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just based on my experience. I think underneath the burnout is a, a lack of trust in our inner voice or our heart or our spirit, whatever you want to call that voice that we we hear sometimes, sometimes we lock it out. But when we don't follow that guidance, then we are on the road to burnout. Why? Because we feel guilty about that. And when we feel guilty, something really remarkable happens. We box ourselves in to trying to be what we think we're supposed to be. And we're never giving ourselves permission to be who we are or what we like to be. We're, we're really not giving ourselves permission to live the way we want to live. And that's what causes the burnout. And it might take 20 years. It might take 30 years. In my case, I felt burned out for about maybe 10, 15 years. But I didn't know what that meant. I just knew at some point, I just can't. I, I, I was going through the motions. Completely agree. And I think that's why there's actually this movement toward entrepreneurism, because people are noticing that things aren't working for them and that we have more options. And a lot of us are seeing entrepreneurism as a path towards autonomy and fulfillment. And I think it's amazing that you had a moment of introspection where you noticed, you know what, this isn't working for me. And then 
you made a conscious decision to make change, to have your own version of fulfillment. And of course, this looks different from for all of us, but what advice might you have for the person who can't figure out if they're just super ambitious and working really hard to meet a career goal within their industry, or if they're feeling burnt out because the job isn't in alignment? How do you make that distinction? Yeah, that's a good one. So what I... What I tried to do to help my clients and for me, because I don't really advise doing anything with clients that I haven't tried myself, it all starts with the end in mind. What do you want? You got to get really clear on that. And if you can't get clear on what you want, that's, that requires some, what I call under the waterline um, coaching, which is really kind of going where you might be resisting some emotions and really understanding what's preventing you from being clear on what you really want. Because that's where it all starts. If you can get clear on what you want. Now, if you're not clear, that that needs to be your focus is why am I not clear? What am I feeling instead of clarity? What am I feeling? Typically, what comes up is anxiety or depression, which they go hand in hand. You really can't have one without the other. And in my view, it's judgment. It's self-judgment. And that really prevents us from getting the clarity because we might have put on an identity or two that we're wearing. And we're not allowing ourselves to be anything but that. But what if, in order to, to have what we want, we, we can't be so rigid about those identities? It really requires starting with what you want. Forget the identities, because they can get in our way. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And I, can, I can really speak to the male aspect of this better than the female. I don't know if you want me to go there for your listeners, but please. Well, men fall into this trap a lot of thinking that, okay, I'm going to get married and now I'm going to be a provider. And if they're not careful, that identity kind of gets in the way because they stop being themselves and they start viewing everything through this lens. Oh, I got to be a provider. So, yeah, I can't do that anymore because that, you know, I'm not being focused. So it really, it, it creates this inner conflict and it's not necessary, but we all do it. And I think women have the same challenge with their identities. And we're just not giving ourselves permission to what I call just be our spirit selves, which is our, we like to have fun. We like to have a lot of energy and we like to share that. But we get bogged down and well, maybe that's not appropriate. And then we don't do it. Mm, yes, 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 yes. You are hitting the nail on the head. This is, this is actually a conversation I just had with my partner weeks ago when talking about like this whole male versus female gender role. So Evan, my partner, he's pursuing a career in opera, and he has been for several years now. And before that, he was a stockbroker and a teacher, 
And it took him a long time to admit to me that he wanted to pursue this career in the arts because he had this identity of a man that needed to provide for his wife. And there's this whole stereotype about what it means to be in the arts. And so he felt like by owning that or by admitting to me that he wanted to be in the arts, that he was then going to be that he would not be fulfilling his role as a husband or as a partner in this relationship. So that was a huge part of his hesitancy towards telling me about it. He felt the need to take care of me. And what's funny is that I didn't expect that same result from him at all. Or like I didn't have that same expectation because I view this truly as a partnership that's just going to ebb and flow over the decades. And I have no issue with him pursuing his dream. In fact, I actually felt empowered to be the breadwinner of the family. Like, in a way, I got some strange pride from that where I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I get to be the breadwinner. You get to be the trophy husband. (laughs) But it was still a struggle for him because the internal messaging he'd received from society, as well as the men in his own family, was that he had to provide and protect for me. And what was interesting is that I was also going through my own identity issues about what it meant to be a wife or what society taught me it meant to be a wife. And a large part of this need to reject that side of me or that side of what I thought society wanted from me was that I perceived my mom and my grandma's lifestyles and their inability to go after their own business careers because of their need to be stay-at-home moms who took care of the house, the cooking, the cleaning, the rearing of the children. I perceived that. I was seeing how this was playing out in their relationships with my with my dad and grandpa. And I don't think that this is because they were housewives at all. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, by the way, either. But what I am saying is that I saw how this played out and how they did not have complete control over their financial situation and over decisions they were able to make. So when I saw that as a child, I perceived their situation as one of stunted growth because of the way that I internalized what I saw in their lives. And so from a young age, I decided I wasn't going to be that same person, that I had to chase my dreams at any cost because I wanted to be a woman that was able to create my own financial autonomy because I saw them struggle with financial autonomy. And I never wanted to have to ask anyone for permission to treat myself or to buy something that I really wanted. And I didn't ever want to have a spouse that would look at me and say, Well, I'm the one that makes the money, so I get to make this decision. And I saw that happen. And so again, I'm not saying that their decisions were right or wrong. It was perfect for them. It's exactly what they needed. And yet I took that and I saw I made a decision to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that I have more control and I have more autonomy. And now I realize it was more about their communication within their relationship. It was less about them being a housewife and more so just about the boundaries that they didn't set within their own relationships. But needless to say, growing up, I didn't quite, I wasn't aware of that. I just saw that they struggled with financial autonomy and I related that to their role as a housewife. And then I was feeling this need to reject that. And at the same time, I am one of those weird people who actually enjoys cleaning I find it in organizing. I find those things very therapeutic and I find it as a great way for me to get into like a meditative, a meditative state. And so I would do it and I would get into this therapeutic state. And then afterward, I would get angry because I'd be like, oh, shit, I just fed into that identity that I wanted to reject. And I was having this cognitive dissonance that I couldn't quite figure out. And so then I would take this anger out on Evan Because for whatever reason, in the back of my mind, I was like, you've somehow forced me into this role. When obviously he didn't. 
And then I would be like, well, I'm such a feminist. How dare I clean the house like a good housewife should when everything when this is everything I want to reject? So in talking about these gender identities that you bring up and what we internalize, it's fascinating to consider that Evan really felt the need to lean into his gender role as a provider. And on the other hand, I felt the need to reject my gender role as what it meant to be a Southern housewife. And this created a really awkward time in our marriage because (laughs) there's obviously a disconnect there. He's leaning in. I'm leaning out. I'm frustrated that I can't figure out why it is that I enjoy this. And yet at the same time, why it makes me so angry. There's cognitive dissonance on both sides going on. So thank God for therapy because (laughs) that's what really allowed me to start to untangle that mess in my mind. And it allowed me to say, okay, my role, and I even hate to use the word role, but my idea of what it means to be a wife in this marriage can be whatever I want it to be as long as we are communicating it. And that's what really helped bring us some resolution. And that allowed me to let go of the shame and self-betrayal I was feeling every time I did things that I thought were quote-unquote the old role that society dictates of a wife, like the cleaning or the cooking. And it allowed me to then find enjoyment again in those weird hobbies that I like or that bring me some peace. And the same goes for Evan. He's really started to come to terms with the fact that he's not the breadwinner and he doesn't, he's not bothered by it anymore. And yes, it has taken some time for him. Of course, a lot of men, their, their inclination is to be threatened by that. But he's really, and I'm not saying he was ever threatened by it, but he felt guilty about it. And so it's really allowed him to release a lot of that guilt as well. So it's fascinating to hear the male perspective from you on this same issue because that's not something I'm able to bring to this show. And I really, really appreciate that. Yeah, no, this is a great discussion because what we resist persists. I don't know if you've ever heard that saying. Mm -hmm. And it's really true. And, And what manifests in our life in terms of our relationships and in terms of our work in our kids, if we have kids, is a reflection. Again, this is my belief. It's a reflection of how we resist what our spirit is feeling. And that's separate from our head. And what I mean by our spirit is that it's that energy that like when you smile, like when you're really smiling and people see that spirit energy of you, it just kind of oozes out of your body and they feel it. Mm -hmm. And that's the energy that we really need to pay attention to because it, if we don't, it's going to get its way. And if we resist how it feels, it, it actually manifests in terms of how we're feeling. But the, the most incredible thing is when we forgive ourselves for resisting how our spirit energy feels, it morphs immediately into the opposite. So it's like magic. Can I give you an example? Please. So like if our spirit is feeling like, uh, let me just see what comes up, tense. Let's say our spirit's feeling tense. And we, we think, oh, I don't want to feel tense. So I'm going to resist that feeling that I'm feeling. Thinking that, oh, I, that's going to help me get out of feeling tense, which actually makes it worse. So, But if we forgive ourselves for resisting how our spirit energy feels, 
all of a sudden it feels hurt and guess what happens? It changes into the opposite of tense. So it's kind of a reverse psychology thing. If we're, if we're true to our, how our spirit feels, and sometimes our spirit's really childish, like really immature. And the more we can just say that's okay, it becomes the opposite. As opposed to trying to be this perfect person, which we're not. Mm-hmm. It, it removes the need to think that you have to have it all figured out. You don't. I love that. I actually, this reminds me of a course I took recently by Eckhart Tolle, and his whole thing was becoming the observer in your own life, which then allows you to remove that component of judgment and to just say, I am just here to non-emotionally view what is happening. And to your point, it's okay that if you're having a certain emotion or an experience that's coming up, you can just observe it as something you experience and not who you are and don't allow it to say something about you or don't allow yourself to internalize it as a message about who you are. And that these emotional experiences are just conditioned responses based on past traumas as well. And when you can believe that this is a conditioned response and you can understand how it's showing up for you and that it isn't who you are, it's just something that your brain has subscribed to in the past, then it is easier to let that emotion go. And then it dissipates once it's acknowledged. And a huge part of my healing came from exactly what it is you're talking about, becoming that observer and then allowing yourself to release some of these emotions. So I love, love, love that you said that. And I feel like you and I can both relate to the spiritual and the non-spiritual worlds quite well because we have both at some point in our lives operated in that corporate structure. So can you talk a little bit about what your journey into spirituality looked like and where you are with it now? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So I started my spiritual journey actually way back when I was in college. And I was kind of copying my brothers at the time. They were, I had two older brothers. And they were into, my oldest brother was into Yogananda. He wrote this autobiography of a yogi. It was a very popular book back in the, probably the 60s. And he was a uh, yogi from the East. He came to the United States and kind of introduced that whole lifestyle to the U.S. And I read it and and I instinctively knew this stuff is true. And then I looked at myself and I said, wow, I need to like, just like pretend to be like this thing. So I started unconsciously trying to be something I wasn't. And it wasn't really working for me, but I just knew deep down that's something I wanted. And then I I got kind of confused about what should I do? I dropped out of college. I got uh, depressed because I knew deep down I needed to do what I loved, but I didn't know what it was. And that didn't work e- either. I went to Colorado. I sat in a mountain and I tried to meditate. This clarity didn't come. So I was working at jobs and I said, well, this sucks. Uh, I better go back to school and get some kind of degree so I can get some money. And that started my journey of basically putting that desire to follow my passion in the, in the rear view mirror. I just said, I'm just going to do what comes up. I'm going to make some money. And so that was my path until I couldn't do that anymore. I actually felt problems with my back 
when I was young, in my 20s, lower back pain a lot. I always used to kid, my kids would say that I felt like I was, like part of me was being pulled. Like part of my back was being pulled in a different direction. And I didn't really know what that meant. Since I decided to be a coach, I started studying energy. And I actually became an energy healer and I figured out what that whole thing meant. But now that I realize that there's no, there's no real value in being in one extreme or the other. We have to be here, present, on earth, in a body for a reason. We're not meant to just be outside of our body. And we're not meant to just be uh, unconscious of what is going on. I feel the best is to be in the middle, to be balanced between the spiritual world and the earth and what's real and using that as a barometer about how we're doing. So that's kind of how my evolution of, I've kind of been on both extremes. Wow. I'm so glad that you bring this up because this whole topic really resonates with me because I feel like in the spiritual world, you feel like you almost have to be this really spiritual person or, or this idea of what you think a spiritual person looks like. Exactly. And it's almost like we can't allow ourselves those negative expressions or those negative experiences because then we feel like we're not living up to our positive spiritual being or that we're somehow going to piss off the universe. But if you are a sarcastic person or if you curse or drink or, you know, love wine and whiskey or have a dry sense of humor, then don't give those sides of you up just to fit what you think the identity of someone is who is spiritual. Because my opinion is when that happens, you're then not in alignment because you're pulling away from your inner self or, or who you who you enjoy being. And when I started my brand, Modern Manifestation, I actually struggled a lot with this because I was figuring out my ability to operate in this world as a woman who isn't love and light all the time. And I didn't quite know that I belonged because looking at myself, I had a lot more masculine energy to myself and I wasn't as soft and feminine as I thought spiritual women should be. And I thought, well, a part of manifestation, there there is a component to spirituality. So do I have any right to operate in this world when I don't fit that narrative? And I think it's great that you talk about living in both because I completely agree. I think you can find the alignment within yourself, the amount of you that is spiritual and then the amount of you that is not, or the side of me that's feminine and then the side of me that is masculine, or the side of me that enjoys the corporate structure and then the side of me that doesn't. And I think that these parts can coexist within us. And it's just all about each one of us figuring out where we want the pendulum to swing and what our middle ground is. My middle ground might not be the same as your middle ground. And I think we can allow these sides of us to coexist and coexist quite well if we want them to. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So who is your ideal client today? And has that changed since you started? So my ideal client today pretty specific about this. It doesn't matter what their job is, what their role is, but they love to serve, love to serve other people, but they, they really don't pay too much attention to their own needs. And it creates a lot of conflict that might not be readily apparent, but eventually they start feeling very frustrated and they feel resentment because others aren't necessarily doing 
what they think they should be doing because of all the help they're offering them. Uh, anyhow, to make a long story short, they have specific challenges and I can help them with those challenges because that's who I am. Deep down, that's been my biggest challenge. And I find that as a coach, whether you know it or not, your clients are always going to be a direct reflection of who you are. And you're going to have more fun with clients that are just like you. So rather than not have fun, why not just admit it and say, this is who I am and let's work with, with you know, my kind of people. So those are my ideal clients. It's just, it's a lot of fun because when I'm helping a client, I'm actually helping myself. You're so right. There is a correlation to the type of client you work with. And as you help them, you inevitably help yourself. That's just how it goes. And over time, I think it's interesting that our client base will change as we change. So in a way, we can look at the people that we've worked with as an indicator of how far we have come as well. And it's great to be able to see that the people we've served over the years, what that can say about us as well as coaches and how that does start to align with us as we make our own changes. So cool. Yeah, I totally agree. One of the things that brought you and I together was a mutual friend, Lindsay Leverton, and she connected us because she was talking to me about some trauma that you were helping her through and how that had led to the chronic pain she was experiencing. And you also mentioned healing from your own back pain, and this is something I can strongly relate to having had my own. Why did this manifest for you? And as a coach, how do you help someone identify what's causing their physical pain so they can work through it? I love this topic. Yeah, I struggled with lower back pain on and off for most of my life. We'd go to chiropractors and I would feel great. And then, you know, two days later, same thing. So my, the turning point for me, I don't have lower back pain now. But the turning point for me was reading a book called Healing Back Pain by Dr. John Sarno. And um, by the way, I don't know if you've seen the documentary that was done on him. No, I just finished up the book a few months ago. Oh, okay. It's a great book. But uh, this guy who was one of his patients created a documentary. It took him like 10 years to create it. And it finally came out like right around when he died. He recently passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, but I highly recommend it. It's called All the Rage. And the only way to, to watch it is you have to pay like five bucks or whatever online. Uh, I don't think, I think it's on Amazon Prime. But what he proved scientifically as a doctor was that, and he examined people and he would, he would say, there's nothing wrong with you. Structurally, there's nothing wrong with your back. The problem is in your head. It's psychosomatic. And what happens is when we have pain, the pain actually is helping us because it's distracting us from the feelings that we don't want to deal with. And that's why we are in pain. So he proved it. He, he practiced medicine in New York City for probably 60 years. And he was just a remarkable man. He, he um, testified in Congress and basically said, you know, we're wasting so much money on pills. When all really people need to know is understand their pain's here for a reason. 
they need to ask why. So my simple advice for anyone with any pain is to talk to your body, ask it questions and say, what are you upset about? Talk to me. I want to hear what you're feeling. And if you tune in and you're, you're honest, you'll start getting some messages. And remember what I was saying earlier about resisting how our spirit feels. Well, that's just really the same thing. And if you, and it's really kind of easy to do. All you have to do is close your eyes and picture your spirit and say, speak to me or show me what you're feeling. And you'll get images. It might be like crossed arms, but you'll get graphic images and then say, oh, am I resisting that? Yes. One subject that I find myself talking a lot about is the idea of the parasympathetic state and being able to exit fight or flight mode so that way you can properly heal, which of course is going to help you with that pain and inflammation. And if you choose not to pay attention to your emotions, which can take you out of the parasympathetic mode, then your body will start to yell at you physically. And there's another coach, Martha Blessing, And she has a very unique story about this because she was actually in a wheelchair for 10 years before she started working with a life coach through some of her own personal traumas. And as she started to feel her emotions and feel safe in her body again, she found her ability to walk after 10 years. And I always think back on that story because I think what you're saying is so critical and it's so right. Your body can be very stubborn and that mind-body connection is extremely important. And I think our society historically has rewarded people who have a tendency to be in the head a lot. So emails, texts, articles, podcasts, always analyzing, always contemplating, always talking. But how many people sit with their bodies and check in consistently? Because this is what's going to allow us to get into that parasympathetic system that so many of us struggle to get into. I know I struggle with that a lot, (laughs) but it's all interconnected. Yes, I totally agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, it can, it can be the other extreme. You can get stuck in the parasympathetic mm. as opposed to the sympathetic. And that was my case. I was basically stuck, frozen in my parasympathetic. Wow. And I have, a, I have a, a theory about trauma that actually trauma is here to help us, not to be afraid of. By that, I mean... The reason I I believe that we experience trauma is that we're too rigid about our perceptions and we need a real force to jolt us into a a bigger perspective. If it it comes from whatever that trauma is, it could be physical or, or mental or emotional, that's okay as long as we can widen or broaden our perspective which typically is what trauma does for us. Mm, Yes, and that ties in so beautifully with what we were talking about earlier about becoming the observer of your own life. That way you aren't taking things like trauma and emotions personally, and you're not becoming a victim of the trauma as a result of, but instead allowing it to project you in the right direction. I love that. What are you looking forward to now? What's next? Wow, what's next? Just kind of being open to what's next. Mm -hmm. And I know when I'm open to new opportunities, they come. So that's really what I'm leaning into. I've got a nice organization that I work with. 
I love the people I work with. So opportunities just seem to almost magically happen. And, and I know that in my life, the best experiences I've ever had are those that I didn't control. I didn't like, it was something that couldn't have possibly happened through me. It happened through magic. So I'm just open to more and more of, of those magical experiences. Mm, very insightful and also a helpful reminder to those of us, and I'm mostly talking about myself here, who struggle to let go of that control. So thank you. This has been so great. How can people connect with you further? Probably the best way is to just go on my website. And I have a website. It's just johnzeve.com. So my name is a little unique in terms of its spelling. It's J-O-N. There's no H. And the last name is spelled Z as in zebra, I, E as in Edward, V as in Victor, E. Um, so johnzeve.com. And on my website, you can see kind of what I do. And you can reach out to me via text. Um, I have that, my uh, contact information on my website. And I offer a free uh, assessment. It's called a MindScan tool. And it's really amazing. It's You talked about it a little bit about how we can get into thinking about what we should do. Well, imagine if you had a way in, in about 10 to 15 minutes, get a mathematical scientific reading on how you think and how you think is either helping or hindering your ability to value and use your strengths. And it's amazing. This tool was created by a uh, guy in, in, in Germany who escaped when the Nazis were there. He immigrated to the United States, became a philosophy professor. He actually was a lawyer and a judge in, in Germany. And he was so moved by how innocent good people were following evil in Germany he created this tool because he wanted to have a way of measuring morality, which he mm -hmm. defines as being true to your values. So he did it. He created a way of measuring how true we are to our values and how good our judgment is based on our values. And it's used by a lot of companies. I use it with all my coaching clients. And if you go on my website, you'll get the ability to get a free assessment. Wow. Amazing. I can't believe I'd never heard of that. Well, thank you so much for our conversation today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. No, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it and um, great to meet you. Thank you. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with John and I today. I will link all of his information in the show notes so you can easily find him and get your free assessment for the mind scan. Have a fantastic rest of your week and I will catch you next Monday. Until then, go out there and manifest some miracles. Thank y'all so much for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with new episodes. As always, we would love it if you would share this episode with friends and family who could use the inspiration. As a new podcast show, we would really appreciate your honest feedback so I know what you like and what you could use more of. As a thank you for leaving us a rating, we will send you our seven weekly tips to create space for abundance. 
Make sure you screenshot your review and email it to us at hello at the T-H-E modernmanifestation.com so we can send them straight to your inbox. If you'd like to stay connected, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Modern Manifestation, or you can head to our website at themodernmanifestation.com. Thanks again for joining me, and I will catch y'all in the next episode.